Welcome to In Conversation with Ziegwerk, the podcast adding a little more color to your day. Today's episode is part of a series created and hosted by Packaging Europe. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode from Packaging Europe. This video is part of our Sustainability Perspective series, which sits alongside our Sustainability Awards and the Sustainability Packaging Summit. In this series, we talk to leaders from across the packaging value chain to gain insights into the industry's path to sustainability. In this episode, we will be talking about designing for circularity with Alina Marm, who is the head of global sustainability and circular economy at Zeigver, a global provider of printing inks and coatings for packaging and labels. Alina, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Zeigberg set out to facilitate the creation of packaging for proven waste streams, particularly the move to paper. Could you start by giving me a quick overview of the available solutions in this area? Yes. Hi, and Thank you for having me and uh, thank you for everybody who's joined us. So if we think about sort of proven waste streams, and this is material independent, I would say, it's always that one rule has to be true, is that you really only want one type of material or one kind of substrates. So if we talk about paper, we want to make sure that we design paper packaging that is truly paper and not mixed with plastic. So with this in mind, there's sort of two almost like work streams in the paper space when we think about really making paper packaging circular. The one is that we look at already existing paper packaging that, however, still has this mix of materials in there. And the other is where can we really use paper as a valid substitution for plastic? So these are always sort of the two worlds I like to think in if we talk about um, paper as a circular solution in improving waste streams. I may like to go a little bit into detail of what solutions are already out there today. And I'll start with sort of the first one of packaging that today is already paper, but is not optimized yet to the fullest extent for recyclability. One of the biggest things that we see here is paper that is has a mix of, of PE, so PE is often extruded on, on the paper. So one of our foremost focuses for solutions here is how can we actually get rid of that PE and move it towards this full paper and hence making it more acceptable for the paper recycling um, stream. The PE was there in the first place for a reason, so nobody just put it on there because they didn't have anything better to do. So what we then look at in in sort of the solution space is how can we replicate um, the functionality that the PE has? Often it's sort of a barrier function, and we can replace that with printed recyclable um, barrier coatings. Think about, for example, a paper cup or a burger box to have that barrier against grease and water. PE often also has sort of a sealing function because, of course, it melts and then provides sealability. Also here, there are printable solutions out there, especially sort of in in the lacquer space. Also, of course, PE often has somewhat of a protection function. So if you think about, especially sort of in the folding cartons that are meant for high-end products, perfume, high-end alcohol, you have really nice prints and you want to protect them often then with a PE layer. And here, actually sort of overprint varnishes that provide scratch resistancy are really, really good substitutes and in many cases, actually the more valid path. 
So these are sort of some of the areas that or where solutions already exist for packaging that is already paper today, but that needs improvement. The great thing about these kind of packagings as well is often they're they have would have the chance to actually go into the de-inking stream of paper packaging. So we're also looking at how can we make sure that the inks and the coatings on there and the lacquers are actually easily de-inkable to give that paper packaging the fullest chance to actually come to a close to closed loop application again after recycling. And here we have de-inkable ink systems and on a wide, wide range. So that's sort of for the, let's call it old kids on the block. Now let's move to the new kid on the block. And this is really switching from plastic, mostly plastic flexibles to paper, um, paper flexibles. And here, of course, the same story almost holds true that all those elements in the plastic packaging, often different types of plastic within one packaging all of them serve a function. So we really have to make sure that we address this functionality gap. And there is sort of a lot of the same story that I just talked about with sort of papers that are already out there that we have to optimize. It's about looking at the bearer function. So how can I protect the packed um, packed good? Also, if you think about sort of especially applications in the candy space, you have sealability, of course, if you have the candy wrappers, the candy bar wrappers, but you might also want to have sort of need some twistability when you think about especially single wrapped um, wrapped chocolates. Also here, lacquers are a magic, uh, magic toolbox. And I think one important thing really here is also if you think about flexible paper, you also often talk to converters that have their home actually in the flexible plastic printing space and uh, converting space. So Understanding also the ink systems that they're used to, for example, solvent-based inks, which are more prominently used in flexible packaging, and understanding the paper ink systems that are usually preferred, which are water-based, and see, okay, how can we use these two technologies in your existing printing and converting expertise and setup? This is really one of the solution spaces where we're active, active in. Okay. And what incentive is there to move away from film-based structures and into paper packaging? Yeah, I think this is the, the grand debates that you encounter sort of across the industry. But there are two rather strong reasons for the specific use cases. So first of all, there's the whole notion of decarbonizing, defossilizing packaging. And of course, sort of that being a part or one step to also have sort of a carbon neutral circular economy. How do I defossilize packaging? Well, you have basically two, two options out there. One is reuse recycled content. But in a lot of, especially the flexible plastic space, we see this as very challenging, especially if we talk about sort of food packaging. There is just not sufficient material available. Even if it's available, often it's difficult to process. And that sort of brings us to sort of the second lever I have when we want to defossilize packaging that is using biorenewable materials. And paper is one of the most prominent uh, biorenewable material, so prominent that we sometimes even forget to consider it as, as one of those and go to bioplastics 
plastics directly. And here you can really leverage the advantage that biorenewable materials have. I know there's sort of a lot of discussion often around, well, is paper really better than plastic from a CO2 footprint? And I'm not going to attempt to sort of dissect all the, all the available data out there. But what I just want to share for consideration is if you find comparisons, plastic and paper packaging from a CO2 perspective, really look at the system boundaries that these comparisons draw. I've seen over and over again that the system boundaries are drawn in the sense that it only starts with the manufacturing process of the material, but it doesn't look at the emissions that are created while sourcing the material. So sourcing the oil or sourcing the bioenable material from the environment. So just keep your eyes open when you see that data and really question it to fully, fully understand it. One other aspect I would like to add here sort of as an argument for paper packaging in in specific use cases is actually recyclability. So as much as we would love to see even the smallest plastic recycled today, a lot of it, especially in the flexible space, is actually not. So recycling rates for flexible packaging are rather low. They're many different reasons. I don't think we have to elaborate on those right now. But here, a paper packaging that is designed right has less challenges to be recycled compared to the same plastic flexible packaging in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases. So these are really the two aspects, decarbonization, defossilization, and can I increase the chance of it being recycled? So there is the incentive from what I hear from you. Yes. Uh, so in terms of uh, the actual performance of paper, does it maximize the shelf life of a product if you do use the right coatings, of course? You know, how does it compare to how other types of coatings perform on other materials? Yep. I mean, it always depends a little bit how do you define coding, but let's maybe look at the example of packaging that is already in paper and, for example, has a PE extruded coding on it. Then I think we're very competitive or the alternative solutions out there are very competitive. Of course, if I look at it switching from plastic to paper, there's a huge functionality gap that we have to overcome. And that functionality gap, of course, also has an effect on shelf life. So paper per se will probably, at least with the current state of art, not achieve shelf lives for cocoa powder of three years. (laughs) But I think it will get to a reasonable amount of shelf life. And I think this is really, really important when we talk paper packaging is that we look at it not sort of as the general solution for circular packaging, but really look at it on an application perspective. So which applications are out there that could actually quite easily, based on the recyclable and compostable coatings we have as of today, be transferred. And there are a lot out there. If you think about any dry foods, for example, if you think about your chocolate bars, if you think about other candies. So there's already a lot we can address in those areas. And then also, I always like to give a little pushback on shelf life. And you probably noticed that with the three-year cocoa powder, are we sometimes over-engineering shelf life? Or are there actually sort of also, is there a middle ground where you can say, okay, let's choose a more circular solution. Let's take down the shelf life a little bit. Of course, not to the extent that I start wasting food. 
but to the extent that it matches sort of consumer behavior and find a good middle ground there. And in terms of printing opportunities, does it have the same printing opportunities as plastic? Yeah, I dare to promise <laughs> that now, especially sort of considering brands, that there is no compromise to make, whether you print on plastic or on paper when it's around haptics and optics. The toolkit here is so immense. We would probably need hours to list all that. And we can source from so many different different ink systems and experiences to create those haptical effects, those optical effects. We can create gloss and all that. And of course, a really nice color, color intensity. So yeah, I dare to give that promise also because I know that uh, this is sort of at the core of what Zikvac does is the promise around sort of the ideal printing um, printing experience and then having that in different circular settings is basically the extension of that promise that we will not divert from. Right. In terms of its recyclability, does the use of coatings impact recyclability in any way? Yeah, so as mentioned earlier, it really depends on how do you look at at coatings. Again, if we talk about sort of the classical example, uh, the PE extruded coating, yes, this will, will impact recyclability negatively. So what we're really focused on is providing printed coatings, let it be for bearers, but also for the functionality that do not hinder the recyclability of paper. So this is really one of our main development goals whenever we start a project around bearer functionality coatings because otherwise it would not really support the idea of circular paper packaging. Maybe just to give a little bit of perspective on that, why is it so difficult to have sort of these PE components still still on the paper? And the reason is that as long as I have sort of a material that is not paper in the recycling stream, it will have a negative effect. Of course, paper mills are masters in sort of finding the right mix of how much sort of other material can I tolerate in my recycling process. But we have to be very clear that this is something they don't really want in their process that often is only really considered because it's a little bit cheaper to buy. So there's this whole mix and match component. And we could have more ideal paper recycling streams also if we take this out, out of the mix. And maybe just one last thought where I sometimes get a little bit concerned if I see a lot of packaging moving into paper with PE still as a component is that at some point there will be much more sort of paper to be recycled in the paper stream with PE, then the whole ecosystem can absorb and then just incinerate it. And so we didn't really win anything, except that we spent a lot of time at re-engineering a packaging that then at the end uh, still doesn't have, have a circular life. And this is really why, why we say, you know what, we want to make sure that from the outset, whatever we print on the packaging does not hinder the recycling process, even if there would be a huge push towards recyclable paper, uh, recyclable packaging in paper, and the, the amounts would increase. So we talked about the shelf life of the product, and we talked about printing, but I'm wondering if there are any compromises to functionality when transitioning to paper-based packaging for products? And if so, how significant are these and how difficult are they to overcome? Yeah, 
yeah, as I mentioned, <laughs> there are compromises you you have to make depending really on the application. I think this is key again, key again here. The most challenging part right now still really is um, how can we create a very strong oxygen barrier for paper packaging? We're working on that and we're progressing nicely, but this is really sort of the holy grail of enabling paper packaging, especially sort of flexible paper paper packaging. But also here, I really want to sort of highlight again that the good thing is that there are so many solutions out there. And if we come together sort of as a value chain, we actually can be very optimistic in addressing these challenges and minimizing the level of compromise as much as possible. And just to give you an example, especially when we talk about barriers. Of course, you have sort of the naked paper, but also paper mills are very active in innovating on how can I actually already put sort of a base barrier into a specific paper. If we then come in and say, you know what, we can top off that barrier, for example, we can probably offer a pretty, pretty good solution for that packaging application. So think a little bit about one and one equals three and not, um, not two. The other great thing around sort of minimizing compromises is that if we collaborate here, we can really make sure that we anticipate hurdles that sometimes would only become visible further down the line if we all develop in our silos. For example, there's a certain paper quality with a certain barrier that's applied and then we notice, you know what, actually in the ceiling part, we have issues. If we collaborate from the get-go, we can already innovate for better sealability and don't have to wait until this is sort of recognized during the conversion process. So yeah, there are not only technology solutions to minimize compromises, but also way of working solutions if we think about collaboration. And then let me just sort of uh, highlight a little bit of optimism I have here. And um, sort of the paper packaging is not new, but that we're really seeing it holistically in the sense of one component of circular packaging with recyclability in there and more and more wanting to move into paper packaging. There is a very intense speed of innovation. If I just look at sort of our own portfolio how much it developed within the past two years. That makes me super confident also because I know there are other good innovators out there that even if today we still have to consider some compromises, I think these will to some extent be taken care of, of course, not magically, but by hard work, but be taken care of by sort of the deeds and art of the innovation along the value chain. However, just to be very clear once more, there are probably some applications that will not be good candidates for paper if I think about, um, I don't know, fresh meat. And this is okay. Not everything has to move to paper. There are a lot of other really good levers out there for circular packaging. And especially if I think about rigid plastics, like the meat packaging example, bump up your recycled content and make sure that this rigid gets recycled because there is a high likelihood that it will. Then I think attention is better focused on that pathway than bringing this, for example, into a paper stream where the hurdles are just immense and we all only have a certain amount of time, energy, and money to spend on specific uh, packaging transformations. 
Can you give me some examples of solutions using uh, Zeigberg's ink encodings to boost paper packaging functionality? <laughs> How much time do you have? Um, all jokes jokes aside, I think what I mentioned in the, in the very beginning of what is all needed for these transformations, we have this in our toolbox at sort of different levels of maturity. And in general, I think it's really good to think about printed inks and coatings as something that can make your packaging pretty. It can make your packaging functional. Um, it can make your packaging circular and it can also make your packaging safe if you think about, for example, food contact application. I'd like to end by discussing a little bit the possibilities for future innovation in inks and coatings for paper packaging. Yeah. Um, so as you've probably already heard, the innovation space is not endless, but is very, very dynamic and, and we're highly, highly engaged in it. And maybe just to sort of give you a little bit of a taste what we're focusing on when it comes to innovation, that of course we are at the core still a company that produces inks and coatings and has its heritage in inks. So we look at how can we make your packaging pretty so that you don't have to compromise on any of the aesthetics. But then really where the challenge become begins is, and where we're spending most of our innovation capacities, is the functionality. How can we make your packaging functional? Bare coatings, functional coatings, all of the examples you've uh, heard before. Before. Then, of course, making it circular. So this is something where we're highly focused on so that we can prove that everything we put into the market does not hinder the recycling stream, for example. And then lastly, also, how can we make it safe? I think this is another really important component if we talk about food contact, but also if you think about sort of innovations that we're working on that are ready and that are needed around PFAS, for example, which is high on everybody's agenda. And maybe just to add one last point, there's sort of the inherent innovation that we're working on around making the best possible packaging. And I think that's clear, but we also look at sort of how much is this packaging accepted in its full beauty of circularity in the specific regional markets that we sell it into, especially with regards to regulation and just sort of thinking about the single-use plastic directive and making sure that we also have offerings around that that fit into sort of the regulatory framework. Great. Well, thank you so much, Alina. And unless there's anything else you'd like to tell our audience? It is actually sort of two things I want to highlight quickly because I forgot them forgot them before. This <laughs> is always so much to, to talk about. I once again want to put into the discussion sort of that paper is one building block of creating circular solution. And there are many applications out there where it's a really, really good circular option. Think about, for example, your cereal bar wrapper, uh, and you can pick your favorite favorite brand. This is rather small. It's very often still made of a mix of plastic materials, and the likelihood of, of that being recycled are close to zero. And even if it's being recycled, it's going to be heavily downcycled. And this is a great example where with the switch to paper, I really can sort of increase the likelihood of a second life of that material. So this is a really good, good example. If you have plastic that has a very 
high barrier requirement, let's say a bottle with liquids in it, a, a water bottle, for example, a pet water bottle. And it's already in a really good plastic recycling stream, like the pet bottle is, then I would promote to rather work at leveraging and improving these really good existing streams in there than focusing a lot on transitioning this well-functioning packaging and a fairly well-functioning recycling stream to a different material. So just sort of as a systematic, holistic uh, perspective once again on paper. Thank you, Alina. Thank you, everyone, for watching. 